0: And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
1: good tuesday afternoon gang welcome into packers total access i am your host clayton bailey you can check us out on packernet.com you can find me on twitter at packers underscore access also make sure you give a follow to mr ryan schlip at pack underscore daddy now we are going to uh to do something a little bit different today for the show all right we've got a little bit of history for you on a Tuesday. Usually that's the stuff we do on Sundays. But, you know, with a, kind of a slow news cycle, you know, uh, rookie uh, OTAs or rookie minicamp, I should say, is kind of wrapped up. So we're going to throw in another history segment. I know there's a lot of people that are cheering right now. It seems to be the, the, uh, the most talked about as far as feedback when people reach out to me. Uh, the most liked segment here on Packers Total Access, and, and to be honest, I completely love doing it. It's something that I'm very passionate about. So, what we have on tap today, as far as history, is we're going to go way back in the vault. And we're going to take you back to the year of 1922, back in the Leatherhead days. And I actually just got through watching Leatherheads uh, just uh, about an hour ago. What a great film! Um, some people might think it's boring. I love how it's filmed, kind of old fashioned. And and as I was watching the movie and and uh, and thinking, man, you know, what can we do this week on the show? It's kind of a slow news cycle, not a lot going on. Let's throw in a history segment. Why not tap into the Leatherheads, uh, you know, uh, uh, time frame, I guess you could say, that era of football, which... I'm a very, very big fan of. It's It's kind of molded and, and laid the foundation for what the National Football League would later become. And at the time, it was not a popular sport. Obviously, college football was, was absolutely smoking uh, pro football as far as numbers, attendance, things like that. And for the most part, the players played for chump change. They played for love of the game. It was people that, that actually came back from the war and were just looking for work. And, and they thought, you know what, why, why not try to try to make this – this thing called professional football go and uh, while college football was thriving um, these guys were working jobs on the side because you know pro football didn't pay that much and and just to think it it would have been real easy for those those guys to give up right those coaches to give up those uh, quote-unquote owners to give up right and uh, thank god they didn't because it's it's the only reason that professional football exists today so we're going to talk about a story in 1922 when the Packers were actually kicked out of professional football, and uh, and I don't want to I don't want to spoil it too much. We're going to get into it here in a second, but we're going to cover that. We're also going to take a look at the 90-man depth chart all right, for the Green Bay Packers. The, uh, the 90 man roster is now set. So we're going to look at the depth chart. We may not get the all 90 players, but we're going to kind of give you a a bird's eye view of what the depth chart is looking like according to ESPN as it sits right now. As you all know, the Packers don't update their, their uh, official depth chart on their website until uh, a little bit later on in the calendar year, but we're going to hit on that. I'm also going to touch on the best available free agents because something kind of tells me the Packers might not be done in free agency. Um, you know, we, we the big talking point has been about receivers, right? Everybody's saying, oh, what receiver can we go sign? Well, I kind of feel like the receiver room is set. I mean, you're not going to waste those draft picks just to cut guys, um, you know, there in the, uh, in the fall and not give them a chance to actually make the roster, or late summer, I should say, and make the roster. Um, so I, I really don't see them going out after a wide receiver at the moment. I just, it just doesn't make sense to me the way the depth chart sits. I'm not saying they couldn't use extra talent. I just think that the way that they use their draft capital, along with the players that they're kind of committed to, you know, Randall Cobb, obviously, with the relationship, the friendship there with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. You don't want to cut him loose. Um, but just kind of look at some of the free agents. I'm going to rattle them off, maybe the top ten available free agents, to kind of see where that is. Then we're going to wrap up with some important dates so you guys are kind of informed on what's coming up next. As we come out of rookie uh, minicamp here Which I thought was very very exciting You know we covered on uh, Sunday's show As well as on the live stream the other night Hitting on some of those rookies And and it's been really really uh, really good time Just kind of getting to know those guys A little bit better and studying And and, uh, I do want to give a shout out like Uh, Ryan Schlipp today on his show this morning, and if you guys aren't listening to that show, if you're listening to this podcast, please, uh, you, you need to make sure that you're looking for his daily show because I'm telling you, it's the best Packer podcast on the market, hands down. And now he has access to a, a very pow- powerful tool in SIS. And I'm not going to go into the details of what SIS is, um, just kind of a, a bird's eye view, a very broad explanation. It's uh, it's analytics and a very, very deep look into uh, not only how effective players are, but how teams are using players at certain positions, certain techniques, things like that. And man, how I mean, it, it, I think his episode lasted less than an hour this morning. But man, the information that was shared there, the things that I didn't even realize, you know, not not knowing that that Romeo uh, Romeo Dubs was going to come in and possibly, uh, you know, most likely be a, a, a kick return or a punt return. Right. And uh, I think that. That information that he shared on that podcast, along with, you know, all the stuff that he's going to be sharing in the future using SIS, is just going to be um, so valuable to us as Packer fans so we can stay informed with all of the the, the very minute details. And uh, I think it's something that's going to be uh, very, very cool. So very important to uh, to make sure you're listening to his show. And catching that information as we move forward, I know I will be. But with that being said, let's get into it, guys. Let's jump right into the uh, the history segment for this week. And and like I said earlier, um, <clears throat> you know this goes back to the year 1922. And the thing that I like about the Packers' history, um, probably the most, is Curly Lambeau. Right? Uh, there's something about that man. I, I read his book. I read a, a book that was about him. It was called. Uh, the man behind the mystique. It's called Lambeau, the man behind the mystique. If you haven't read that book, I I really suggest you pick it up. It's a great read, and it basically tells his whole life story. And Lambeau was not a perfect man by no stretch of the imagination. Um, One of these days, I'm going to get brave enough to do a history segment on just Curly Lambeau, but I'll be honest with you, it's intimidating because um, I, I look at the man... On a different level I look at him like he's uh, he's this idol this legend you know I, I kind of think of the movie the Sandlot and how the kids looked at Babe Ruth right and uh, he just it's intimidating I, when I do that story I want to make sure I take enough time but I also do it justice because the, the things that he the joy that he's added to my life just by creating the Packers I wonder if someone could have went up to him in 1919 and said this is what's going to happen, right? And, and he said in his yearbook, he wanted to go out and conquer the world. He said it in his high school yearbook. When he was done with sports, he was going to go out and conquer the world. And in my opinion, he really did conquer a small piece of the world. Um, if someone could go up to him in 1919 and say, you're going to create a sports franchise, and there's going to be somebody sitting on a podcast talking about how much that team means to them, the joy that it's added to their life the the friendships that was that were created right Um, because of the fandom that comes with rooting for the Green Bay Packers and that was going to happen in the year 2022 I would love to have seen his reaction and uh, when you go back to 1922 and you hear a story like I'm about to tell you it really takes you into the personality of Curly Lambeau Curly Lambeau was one of those guys that he was not going to lose he was going to do whatever it took if that meant bending the rules, which it's common knowledge that he pretty much ticked off the entire league because he was doing a lot of crooked stuff behind the scenes to try to gain a competitive advantage. And it you know, it paid off with all the NFL championships there in 29, 30, 31, or was I think 36, 39, 44, I believe. Um, just a man that absolutely dominated the sport. It was because he was willing to – Will it have been the rules and do whatever it you know, took? You know, At the time, it was frowned upon during that era for people to pass the ball uh, and pass the ball often. Lambeau threw all that out the window and said, we're going we're gonna to wing the pigskin all over the park. When it was this big, this huge ball, it was more like a rugby ball than anything. And you had people like Arnie Herber and Cecil Isabel. They said they could throw that thing as far as players are throwing the modern football today. I mean, it, it almost sounds superhuman. It's just, it's, I love the old sports legends. But in the year 1922, the Packers were actually kicked out in January of 1922. They were, they were kicked out because they got caught using at least three players with college eligibility. Um, basically, they had college eligibility uh, remaining under their assumed names in non-league game against Racine, Okay. The game was played on December 4th, 1921 in Milwaukee. It was billed as a battle for the state championship. It's a long, involved story, but here's somewhat condensed version. By the time the Packers were admitted to the American Professional Football Association, this is before it was called the NFL, guys. It was called the American Professional Football Association, on August twenty seventh, 1921, they had already started practicing with many of the same local players they used in 1919 and 1920. So all of those former high school uh, teammates of Curley were already on the team. Well, then they played four non-league games using several of those local players and some new recruits with state ties. But heading into their first APFA game on October twenty third against Minneapolis, The Packers added three players with pro experience within 48 hours of kickoff. (laughs) Imagine signing three players with pro experience within 48 hours, literally two days before kickoff. Hey, guys, come on in. Jump into the lineup. We're going to throw you. Here's your uniform. See if it fits. I love it. Although the Packers were 4-0 in those non-league games, they may have had good reason for panic. The late Jack Rudolph, noted Green Bay historian, wrote years later that, the rumor was Green Bay had to beat Minneapolis to remain in the league. My suspicion is, and this is Cliff Crystal t- talking from his perspective as as the Packers uh, team historian. My suspicion is it wasn't necessarily a win or else ultimatum, ultimatum, but Green Bay needed to win or at least be competitive to have any chance of scheduling future home games or attractive opponents. Whatever the Packers beat, the Marines and added two more experienced pros the next week. Of those five new players, four played at Notre Dame with Curly Lambeau in nineteen eighteen. So that was under Newt Rockney. These are five new players, four of which played with him under Newt Rockney at Notre Dame there in nineteen eighteen. Um it says uh turnover. Of the roster continued in late November. The Chicago Cardinals and Chicago Staleys (now are the Chicago Bears) both agreed to play the Packers. At the time, many games were scheduled week to week. It was a big deal for the Packers to land the games in Chicago, but by then they didn't have enough local players to even practice in Green Bay. Their players were scattered across the Midwest and met <clears throat> met in Chicago to practice on Friday and Saturday before both games. According to the Milwaukee Journal, the Packers also practiced in Chicago before the Racine game. Meanwhile, rumors flew all week that Racine was loading up with ringers for the game. The result was a 3-3 tie. The The next day, the Racine Journal News reported, quote, Green Bay, has several Notre Dame men from this year's lineup with her. (laughs) I love how they refer to the Green Bay Packers as her. The Journal News listed them as Buck Shaw, Hank Anderson, and Fred Larson. What's more among the lineups that appeared in the Racine, Green Bay, and two Milwaukee papers, there were three positions in which three different starters were listed for the Packers. In all, a total of six different names were listed that hadn't previously played for them. News traveled slow in those days, and it wasn't until eight days later that the South Bend Tribune reported Anderson, Larson, and Arthur Garvey, all of whom had eligibility remaining, had played for the Packers in Milwaukee, and that Notre Dame had declared them ineligible and stripped them of their football letters. Pro football came under fire, and Green Bay was forced from the league at the next APFA meeting in January. Six months later, the APFA changed its name to the National Football League. And thanks and thanks to Lambeau's persistence, Green Bay was admitted. Now, that last line, I'm going to kind of dive into a little bit deeper because it's, it's much more than that. But first of all, I want to go back. When, when it was talking about them losing eligibility, remember the Johnny Blood episode we just did on Sunday. Johnny Blood... Um, He changed his name is John Victor McNally. He changed his name to Johnny Blood. So they wouldn't know that he was, uh, you know, John McNally, who actually still had um, some college eligibility left. So this is something that this wasn't the first. It might have been the first, but it definitely wasn't the last time that Curly Lambeau used college players to uh, to fill his roster. I just think it's uh, it's 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 there's something romantic about that. I just think it's awesome. But To go back to uh, six months later, the APFA changed its name to the National Football League, and thanks to Lambeau's persistence, Green Bay was readmitted. So here's the story, guys. The APFA had to fold, okay? Back then, it was normal for professional football leagues to, to just sprout up, And as quick as they came, they had folded. Because nobody was interested in watching professional football. They loved college football. That was the king. The college teams were way more talented than the professional teams. right? Because it just hadn't taken root yet. Well, the story goes that when they got kicked out, rumors started swirling that the APFA was going to relaunch and be called the National Football League. It's my understanding, I believe it was in Chicago, if I remember correctly. It's possible? Yeah, it was definitely Chicago. I know it was Chicago. Um, So they had a meeting in Chicago, and they were going to relaunch the NFL. Well, Lambeau and George Calhoun, you guys remember the, the, uh, the episode we did on George Calhoun? They loaded up in Calhoun's car and they drove to Chicago because they wanted to enter the NFL. So imagine this meeting taking place. The same people that were running the APFA were now going to be running the NFL. The team that was kicked out for blatantly breaking their rules, these two knuckleheads come rolling in there and say, hey, we want to join. Well, the admission fee, if I remember correctly, and the, and I'm, I'm kind of telling this story out of memory because one of our tour guides at Lambeau Field told this story while we were on a brief break in the middle of a Lambeau Field tour at one point. And they said that they went in and there was a $50 Fee That was going to be charged. That was a franchise fee in order to start the franchise. It was going to be $50. Okay. Well, when they seen it was Lambeau and Calhoun, they said, you know, you guys, we already can't trust you. You're breaking rules like crazy. It's going to be $150 for you guys. This is what Curly Lambeau and George Calhoun did. That tour guide said, and I had read it in other locations as well. I think I read it in the dope sheet one day. I read it in the back of the media guide one year. Um, Just a cool story. George Calhoun actually sold his vehicle. He sold his automobile to get the $150 to be able to purchase the franchise. And they said that that car, selling that car, got enough money for the franchise fee and, and for two train tickets back to Green Bay. So that's how Curly and George Calhoun got back to Green Bay after buying the franchise. Again, George Whitney Calhoun, one of those guys in Packer history that has just gone unnoticed for so long, at least by this new wave, this new generation of Packer fans. It's important that we bring that up. But I just thought that was so cool, man. You you watch a movie like Leatherheads and they do a great job of of capturing what that era was like. And you can almost see George Clooney's character, along with, you know, some of the others. Um that, you know, just I could just see Curly Lambeau on a train with George Calhoun coming back going, all right, well, we're back in the league. (laughs) And then, you know, fast forward, all of these moments where they had the fan fall in the stands and they got sued and had to do a stock drive. We talked about Andrew Turnbull stepping in and helping the Packers. We talked about all of these people that because they wanted to keep this dream alive, that's what led them to the next stage in which you know, they, they win all of these championships. And then later on through, like we said, Jack Venisi uh, finding Vince Lombardi and, and having him hired and kind of uh, giving Lombardi advice on how he needs to approach this board of directors. And bam, there's multiple championships again under Vince Lombardi. It's just the, it is the coolest story in all of sports. So, that's your Packers history segment today. I thought that was a cool little story that, yes, indeed, the Packers were kicked out of the league in 1922, and then it took George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau making a trip down, begging to be readmitted, getting gouged on the price, selling an automobile so they would get enough for the franchise fee, and then and plus two tickets, two train tickets back to Green Bay just so we could be sitting here today, talking about the freaking green bay packers i absolutely love it so hope you guys enjoyed that we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get into some depth chart and some other stuff
0: and then we'll get you guys out of here quick in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now
1: Alright guys, man, i tell you what, this time of the year is just absolutely awesome. We got the uh, a little expansion put onto the studio here. Uh, got some French doors put in, had a deck built onto the side here, and um, got the doors open. You might be able to hear the birds singing. If you hear a dog or two bark from the neighbors, uh, just overlook it. I apologize in advance, but it's just too nice not to have this open air here in the uh, in the studio tonight. But let's get into the depth chart. Uh, keep in mind, this is from ESPN's website, okay? And I thought, <clears throat> now that the 90-man roster is complete, um, and it's going to change, guys. Guys are going to get cut. Other signings are going to happen. This is just kind of... Uh, where it sits at the moment. I thought it would be a good time to, why don't we go ahead and look at the depth chart and kind of see how it lays out, see who ESPN is projecting to play what position. And uh, I want you to kind of take that with the information that Ryan's been sharing on Packernet Podcast and, and kind of tie it all together and say, okay, now I see what he's saying about, you know... Uh, You know, at right end, Devontae Wyatt possibly playing that three technique on the weak side, uh, things like that. Okay, so we're just going to kind of give you a visualization here and run through the info. But let's start on offense. This is with 11 11 personnel, okay, three wide receivers, one tight end. That's what they play the majority of the time. And in the depth chart on the uh, defensive side, we're going to cover the 34 simply because we kind of know how the nickel is going to change and you can just insert the third corner and know who's going to be playing there but with that being said on offense quarterback position Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Kurt Benkert and Danny Etling running back Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Kylin Hill, Patrick Taylor I don't know if you guys can hear that but we've got Little League. We've got a, a big Little League baseball complex just about 100 yards from where we live. And the crowd's going nuts over there, so I apologize if you hear that in the background. But anyway, Colin Hill and Patrick Taylor round out the running back uh, position there. Wide receiver, you got Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Jawan Winfrey, and Rico Gafford at one wide receiver spot. At wide receiver two, you've got Christian Watson, Amari Rodgers, Malik Taylor, and Chris Blair. At wide receiver three, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dubs, Samori... Uh, Sa- yeah, Samori Torre and Danny Davis the third. Okay. So just to recap the wide receivers, Starting wide receivers, according to ESPN, they have Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and Sammy Watkins as the uh, three top receivers there in that uh, 11 personnel at tight end. You got Robert Tunyon. Josiah Deguara, Mercedes Lewis, and Tyler Davis. I I don't know what Mercedes Lewis's role is going to be. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a firm believer in PFF. I think they do an excellent job of grading how players really play. And uh, Mercedes Lewis was like the seventh highest graded tight end in the entire NFL last year. I think he's someone who brings a ton of value to the table. I disagree with that right there. First of all, there's a chance Tunyon starts on the PUP list. Now, the fact that the Packers did not draft a tight end gives me a little more hope that Robert Tunyon might be ready for week one. But if indeed he isn't, Mercedes Lewis would personally be my starter. Okay, But this, is, this might be one of those positions that they're looking at in free agency too because I think the key signings that may take place are at these positions where they have injuries. Now, offensive line, of course, those have been filled with draft picks. You're not going to cut those. Wide receiver's been filled with draft picks. You're not going to cut those. Tied in, I kind of feel like there might be a tight end free agent move pretty soon, and that would be really cool. But moving on to offensive line, left tackle, you got David Bakhtiari, Josh Najman, and Jameer Johnson. Left guard, you got John Runyon, Zach Tom. Center, you got Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, Michael Minnett, and Cole Schneider. At right guard, you got Royce Newman, Sean Ryan, George Moore. At right tackle, you got Elton Jenkins, Cole Van Lannan, Rasheed Walker, and Caleb Jones. So um, that's kind of how ESPN is projecting those positions to lay out. With that being said, I think there's some good information there. I'm not saying I completely agree with it. I'm not saying it's 100% accurate. But when you look at it, what they're saying is left guard will be Zach Zach Tom's uh, best spot. Um, and then right guard would be Sean Ryan's best spot. Now, that's assuming, obviously, Elton Jenkins is healthy. If not, maybe Sean Ryan could fight for that starting right tackle position along with Yash Najman you know, competing for it maybe. But they do have Rasheed Walker listed as a right tackle on this depth chart. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm just kind of relaying the information because obviously the Packers don't have a depth chart out this early in the offseason. Let's move on to Defense defense you get your base 34 at left end you got dean lowry jack heflin and a guy's name that i cannot pronounce <laughs> nose tackle you've got kenny clark tj slayton and jonathan ford we talked about that yesterday or i'm sorry on uh, on sunday there with jacob about jonathan ford being one of those se- seventh round picks um at right defensive end you got jaron reed Devonte white and akil byers now I want to pause there for a second. At right defensive end, Jerron Reed and Devontae Wyatt. Ryan did a great job with the SIS information, talking about how Devontae Wyatt, if I understood him correctly, and I was kind of listening to it in and out busy today, but I believe he was saying that Devontae Wyatt lining up in the three technique, that's where he's seen the, uh, the highest success rate of pressuring the quarterback. So it could be something that, He rotates in and out there at that right defensive end position. Now, when you say right defensive end, when you're in your nickel defense, that's going to be that three technique most likely. Okay, If you're in a nickel defense, You're going to have your outside linebackers there, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary with another rotation of players. They're going to be playing that five technique and sometimes that wide nine, depending on what formation they're using on defense, what setup, what scheme. You're going to see people like Jerron Reed and Devontae Wyatt play that three and four technique. And and like Ryan was pointing out, Devontae Wyatt is really, really solid in that three technique. So moving on to uh, outside linebacker on the weak side, you've got uh, Preston Smith uh, Tip of I believe is how you say his name, uh, Randy Ramsey, and Chans- Chauncey Manick. Uh, at left inside linebacker, you've got Devondre Campbell, Ty Summers, Tariq Carpenter, and Isaiah McDuffie. So there you see the seventh rounder, Tariq Carpenter, uh, popping up as third on the depth chart there at left inside linebacker. At right inside linebacker, you got the rookie, Quay Walker, Chris Barnes, Ray Wilborn, and Ellis Brooks. So there you see the first rookie um, drafted that cracks the starting lineup and it, and it comes well actually the second when you got Christian Watson um, on offense they're showing he's going to be the uh, the second receiver on the depth chart as it sits right now and then you got Quay Walker being your uh, your right inside linebacker uh, backer starter. So I think that's really really cool that you you spent those early draft picks on players that you know even a website like ESPN is projecting to be starters. I think you're going to get a lot of value there, or at least enough return for your draft pick. You know as far as your capital. So um, up next you have got your strong side linebacker in Rashawn Gary, Kingsley, and Right, Jonathan Garvin and Ladarius Hamilton. So they've actually got Enigbare as the strong side linebacker, and that's the majority of where he lined up there at South Carolina. Um, he's going to be backing up Rashawn Gary on the strong side there, uh, playing, like I said, that five and, uh, and wide nine technique. Um, left cornerback, you've got Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, uh, Keandre Thomas, and KB Aninto. So they've got Stokes starting over Russell right there at right cornerback. Man, I cannot wait to see Jair Alexander back on the field. They've got him at right corner here. Shamir, uh, Shamir John Charles, then uh, Keyshawn Nixon, and then Enos Gaines on the right side rounding out there. And at safety, you've got strong safety, Adrian Amos and Vernon Scott. Free safety, you got Darnell Savage and Sean Davis. Now, I think it's pretty cool that worst case scenario if something were to go crazy wrong you do have Tariq carpenter that seventh round pick that has a little bit of uh, a little bit of experience at safety and maybe they can kind of scheme around an injury or two and be able to put him in a place to, to possibly contribute i'm really excited about seeing him on special teams for sure but as far as uh, special teams themselves place kicker obviously mason crosby they do have two other kickers on the roster which is it's got as a, as a Mason Crosby fan, it's got me nervous. I know they've had backup kickers before, but I don't know if they've ever had two kickers on the roster. That kind of makes me think, all right, is this really an open competition? Because if they cut Mason, they're going to save a good little chunk of change. And you might be thinking, well, they're already under the cap. Why not just keep him? Well, if they clean up, if they clear up that cap, right? And then they have that money sitting here this year. They could front load a contract extension. Every every dime is going to count. You know, you're you're now to the point where you're starting to crunch numbers together to where you can really maximize that that salary cap where it can kind of roll over. If you want to look at it from that that point of view. Um, at punter, we got our new punter Pat O'Donnell. You know, Ryan was looking at some stuff earlier. He he just kind of let it slip uh, from SIS. He said that uh, you know Pat O'Donnell if i understood him correctly i don't want to misquote but it sounds like he wasn't anything extraordinary in bad weather or outside i should say Um, and a lot of people were kind of just thinking okay well he was punting in chicago they signed him because he's got to be good in in cold weather or or outdoor conditions didn't sound like he had a big advantage there i think that they strictly signed him uh, like we said before as a holder they want the guy to just punt average and, um, and be able to hold and, and get rid of those mishaps that happened last year. And, and that's exactly what Basachi, the new uh, special teams coordinator, is looking to fix this year. At punt return on here, they have Amari Rodgers, and at kick return, they have Amari Rodgers. They have Christian Watson backing up Amari Rodgers on kick return, and then Colin Hill after that. Long staff snapper is obviously Steven Wordle. Now, when it comes to punt and kick return, if I understood correctly... Uh, with the SIS information that Ryan covered this uh, uh, earlier uh, yesterday morning, I keep saying this morning, um, the last episode I listened to, he said that if I remember correctly, it was Romeo Dubs that handled punt returns and uh, and had quite a bit of success. So maybe he might be competing with Amari Rogers um, for those punt returns, kickoff return. Um, I don't know why Dubs couldn't do kick return. I know it is kind of a different animal at times, but um, I don't like Christian Watson returning kicks. You know, just, I just—I don't know, man. I—I I want him to really focus on playing wide receiver. I want him to develop at the at the maximum potential. I, I just don't want him returning kicks. That's just my personal opinion. You guys may disagree. If you do, let me know on Twitter, and we'll chat about it. But that's something that makes me a little nervous seeing that again. This is ESPN. You know, sometimes they fire from the hip, especially this time of the year. But I just want to run through that depth chart to kind of give everybody an idea of where the rookies are sliding into the depth chart now, according to ESPN, and kind of see, okay, what are we looking at from a starting lineup standpoint? And when you look at the wide receiver position, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and Sammy Watkins, guys, I'm okay with that. I mean, we were scheming guys wide open last year. And the problem was sometimes Aaron was focused on Tay so much that he wasn't seeing the open receivers that were schemed open. I think you're really going to see a lot of that this year because he doesn't have that guy that he can just look over. And, and you know, there was, I remember one or two times at post game press conferences, or it might have even been on the uh, Pat McAfee show where Aaron said, Yeah, that was all Tay. Like, I, he was just freelancing out there in his route. And they gave him the freedom to do it, and he said that that Devontae's earned that right to do that. So it literally be they may see something. They probably both know they see it, and then Tay's just going to kind of use the the uh, the disadvantage, uh, you know, the uh, the balance or off balance, I should say, of the of the DB and what they're doing reactionary, setting them up and and just kind of freelancing to get open. I know there was at least one touchdown pass where Aaron Rodgers was laughing about that on the McAfee Show because he was like, "Man, that was just all Tay. I was just." kind of giving him a second to work the field, and boom, he was open. So I think you're going to get away from that quite a bit. And and I personally am glad about that because I'm happy with that because I just don't like the whole, hey, let's go out there and play backyard bar. Let's just draw it up in the huddle rather than everything that we've worked on all week long. So I think Rodgers and LaFleur have a good enough relationship that they're going to be able to work that in this year uh, real heavy as far as trying to scheme receivers open so again that's your depth chart now let's move on to the next topic and that will be uh the best available free agents all right best available free agents guys this is according to nfl.com and i'm just going to go down the list i'm not going to look at specific positions but i want to see how far we get down this list before we come across a tight end because like i said not drafting any tight ends robert Tunyon with the acl it kind of makes me think they may pick up a tight end free agent before the, before the, uh, the uh, OTA starts. So at the top of the list here, best free agents available is wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., 29 years old. He's ranked 11th overall as far as the available free agents going into free agency this year. So that rank is going to tell you where they ranked. Um, you know, from the beginning, and then they've got a couple names added as well. Uh, ranked number 14, the next, you know, the second best available free agent is Dwayne Brown, offensive tackle, 37 years old. James Bradbury, which I believe he just got cut two days ago, yesterday maybe, a cornerback, 29 years old. He's ranked 18th. You got Jadavion Clowney, age 29. He's an edge defender, ranked 19th. Ranked 25th, you've got Melvin Ingram, edge defender, 33 years old. And here's your first tight end. Ranked 26th, Rob Gronkowski, 33 years old. It says, it's unclear if Gronk will play again, but he could. His run blocking is the only part of his game that didn't come with him to Tampa. And, and they don't pay you for run blocking. <laughs> so... um, Rob Gronkowski, I wouldn't include him on this tight end list. I kind of feel like he's retired unless Tom wants him to come play with him. That's just me. I don't. I, I could never see him playing for another team other than Tampa Bay. Watch 24 hours from now, he'll sign with somebody and prove me wrong. Up next, you got the the 27th ranked Jarvis Landry, wide receiver, age 29. Okay, uh, ranked 32, Jerry Hughes, edge defender, age 34. Rank 34, Akeem Hicks, defensive lineman, age 32. Ranked 44, defensive end Trey Flowers, age 29. Uh, ranked 45th, J.C. Treder, center. You guys remember that name, right? 31 years old. Uh, ranked 49, Will Fuller, age 28, wide receiver. Ranked 50th, you've got Eric Fisher, offensive tackle, 31 years old. Then you've got Julio Jones, ranked 54th. He's 33 years old, wide receiver. Anthony Barr, ranked 60th, outside linebacker, 30 years old. Uh, ranked 64th, you got Justin Houston. He's an edge defender, 33 years old. 79th, you got Sheldon Richardson, defensive tackle, age 31. Then you got Indominican Sue, ranked 80th. Um, he's 35 years old. Our very own Kevin King coming in at 92. And now we're going to skip ahead. We're pretty far down the list. We're going to skip ahead now and find the tight end. So there were no tight ends on NFL.com that were ranked in the top 100 of available free agents coming into this year's free agency. So we hopped over to another site and looked at the available tight ends at the moment. Okay, You've got number one, Rob Gronkowski, which we already established. Number two, Jared Cook, which we know Jerry Cook. Had a little bit of continuity there with with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron didn't want him to leave. I think it was the right move to let him go at the time, but that might be a potential option. Number three, you got Kyle Rudolph with the New York Giants. Number four, you got Eric Ebron with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And number five, you got Blake Jarwin, who was with the Dallas Cowboys. So, again, Rob Gronkowski, Jared Cook, Kyle Rudolph, Eric Ebron, and Blake Jarwin. Jared Cook kind of catches my eye a little bit, although – you know, in this offense for uh, for Matt Lafleur, blocking is huge, and I just never seen Jared Cook as a good blocker. Kyle Rudolph is probably the most well rounded, in my opinion, when it comes to both blocking and catching the football. So that's someone that kind of catches my interest a little bit. Eric Ebron played with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know how they like to run the ball over there, so obviously you got to be a decent blocking tight end. And then Blake Jarwin there with the Cowboys. So I thought it would be cool to kind of look at the available free agents while there's nothing else to talk about, and get an idea of, okay, who's still out there and is Goody about to go shopping at discount prices, right? And that's exactly the stage you're at right now. Um, they, you know, There may be free agents that look up and see the Packers roster and go. They got a legit shot. They're a contender. They're in a weak division. They're going to be in the postseason. This might be my chance to get a ring, and, uh, and who knows who may sign. So um, I really feel like of all the positions – After the draft, looking at where we have draft picks tied up, um, tied in is one of those positions I could see them investing in a free agent possibly. So, again, that's your uh, available free agents. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this show up with some important dates. You know, rookie minicamp just ended, right? So now we're going to talk about OTAs. OTAs will begin the week of May 23rd through the 26th and continue the week of May 31st through June 3rd. The Packers are slated to have their mandatory minicamp from June 7th through the 9th. Followed by one more week of OTAs. The team will announce uh, at a later date which OTAs or mini camp practices, if any, will be open to the public. So you're looking at the next date as far as OTAs for the Packers being May the 23rd. That doesn't mean that people aren't in the building working out, they're not around there, you know, studying up on the playbook, all that stuff, getting kind of acclimated. Um, I was really, really uh, impressed with how many veterans were there uh, for the uh, voluntary workouts. Uh, here recently, including Aaron Rodgers dropping in. That's great news as well. So, With that, we're going to jump over to the NFL schedule now, the NFL calendar, and kind of give you guys an idea from a global perspective, what's going on with the NFL, what's coming up next. Well, it says May 23rd through the 26th, first session of OTA off-season workouts, right? Squads from across the NFL get their first real in-depth, up-close look at the players who would take the field come preseason time and beyond. All right, May 31st through June 2nd the second session of OTA off-season workouts. Then you jump ahead to June 6th through the 8th, the third session of OTA off-season workouts. Then June 14th through the 16th, that's your mandatory mini camps. You won't want to miss this. In fact, if you're a player, you're contractually required to be there. Get those reps in and impress coaches for your shot at making the 53 man squad, is what the website says. Kind of cheesy, just to be honest with you, but those are the mandatory mini camp dates. July 15th is the franchise tag deadline, right? That's uh, where teams must either come to a long term contract agreement. With their franchise tag player or the player can only sign a one-year contract with the team after that point okay then of course mid-july the dates are to be uh, to be determined uh, that's when training camp's going to begin. Veteran players can report no earlier than 15 days prior to the team's first preseason game. Rookies can report up to a week earlier than the veterans. And then, of course, uh, early to mid-August, NFL preseason begins, baby. So just a quick recap, guys. We got it coming up this uh, a little bit later this month, May um, let's see, it's going to be May 23rd. Mark your calendars, and I believe that lined up on the Packers' side as well. want to make sure here, yeah, uh, OTAs will begin the week of May 23rd through the 26th. I'm really hoping we see Aaron Rodgers out there uh, throwing passes to Christian Watson and kind of getting these receivers all on the same page. It's going, be, uh, it's going to be good, man. There's going to be footballs flying. It's right around the corner. And then, in my opinion, the big daddy date this week is going to be Thursday night, 8 p.m., We're going to have the NFL schedule release, and that's where everybody's going to swoop in, get your hotel rooms, get your Packer tickets. Uh, If you're not going to a game, you're you're still going to get that information laid out. And I'm going to tell you right now, um, we're going to dive into that schedule. We're going to kind of look at the opponents. I've got a a little bit of a, a formula, I guess you could say of kind of going through and projecting wins and losses. And uh, it's going to be uh, really cool to get that schedule and kind of look at that. And and really what my formula comes down to is I feel like the most important aspects of a football team are the head coach and the quarterback. You can have a great head coach – and a mediocre quarterback and you're not going anywhere. You can have a great quarterback and a mediocre head coach and you're not going anywhere. That's just my opinion. Those are the two things that are huge. And then from that point, what it comes down to is how does your uh, how does your defense look from the edge standpoint? I feel like that's the next most important thing, that and left tackle. It's, it's the elite positions we talked about. So when I look at the schedule, that's how I'm going to break it down, guys. I'm going to look at it and go, okay, we got the Bears this week. All right. Um, their head coach versus Matt LaFleur, who's got the edge? All right, Matt LaFleur, point for the Packers. Who's got the better quarterback, Justin Fields or is it Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, that's a mark for the Green Bay Packers. All right, who has the best edge defenders as a whole, right? Who's going to get pressure on the quarterback? All right, that's an edge for the Packers. Um, and then who who is their left tackle, right? Who's going to be protecting the blind side of the quarterback? Who has the edge there? That's gonna that's gonna count as a point as well. So essentially, you got head coach, quarterback, and then the next phase you've got uh, edge defenders and offensive linemen, most notably left tackle. Those four key components is really what I base my win loss record off of. And me, I don't do a whole lot of gambling, but I do I do enjoy putting a little action on the game. That's the four things that I look at the most guys when it comes to picking wins and losses so we're going to do that we're going to kind of dive into that and we'll uh, we'll probably do that let's see if the schedule releases Thursday right and we do a show Sunday I think that might be what we'll set up for Sunday's show we'll have us another history segment and then we'll dive into the Packers schedule and uh, and I'll see if we can get Jacob on here and we'll kind of go through and pick them together I think that'd be a lot of fun all right, guys, I think we did pretty good. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of news to talk about. I didn't want to get lost in the, the little minute details of the stuff that Ian Rappaport's reporting right now. It's all just kind of filibuster, in my opinion. It's just kind of filling this void as we uh, come out of rookie minicamp and step into some of these dead phases here in the off offseason. Um, but the one thing I do want to say, guys, Ryan is doing a, a great job with this SIS information. He's actually asking for feedback on both the Facebook page and, and on Twitter and what he's saying is, what would you guys like me to dig into? So if you're hearing my voice right now and you'd like some analytics, a little deeper look at maybe a position or who who got the majority of the snaps in this certain defense or whatever the question may be, there's a good chance with that new um, tool that he has, he'll be able to get you the answer and get it in a, in a pretty quick manner. So what I would say is guys reach out to him on Twitter, reach out to him on the, uh, on the Facebook page and and ask them some questions to kind of get that info. What I'm going to do with this show moving forward, okay? I've actually uh, got just upgraded my subscription to PFF. I'm going to lean very very heavily on PFF, and that's something that Ryan's liked in the past. What I love about Ryan's approach and Packernet Podcast approach, they don't just take one thing and say that's the gospel right he's never done that he uses it as a tool here's an angle of looking at how a player performed well here's another angle well you've got statistics that's a different angle you've got all these different things that's that's at our you know at our uh, disposal where we can kind of look at uh, different different views and different viewpoints of how players are performing and how they may or may not succeed in certain positions coming into this year so uh, again uh, make sure you reach out to Ryan and, and let's get that info cranking there as well. Again, you guys feel free to DM me any questions you got, and uh, and reach out on Twitter. You can tag me in a tweet if you like. You can send me a uh, uh, like I said a DM with a question if you just want to chat football. And who knows, it may be something that we use here on the show that that kind of stokes or provokes a uh, a conversation um, that we otherwise wouldn't have had. But I do want to say thank you guys for all the support on Twitter. Um, You know, when I created the Packers Total Access Twitter account, we were at zero followers, and I think of as of today we're at 485. I'm blown away at how fast it's picked up. It's been uh, been amazing connecting with you guys on there. And just know this, you're never bothering me. Okay, I get tagged pretty much daily now in tweets. Um, Some of it's just, you know, people being goofy, having fun, which I'm all about. Other things might be, you know, something about the show. You're never bothering me. Just keep that feedback coming. Mainly keep it coming to Ryan because that dude is going to keep churning out content as we move forward. Also, make sure you check out all the shows on the Packernet Podcast Network. There was actually a listener that reached out to Ryan earlier today, and, and there may be someone here in my voice right now that 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 has the same question. Um, the guy reached out and said, I'm just catching on to your show slash shows. I see you've got a regular rotation Are there usual podcast members each day? And Ryan responded and said, here's the network, the Packer Podcast Network schedule usually, okay? Daily, there's going to be a Packer Net podcast. That's Ryan himself. Monday, you've got It's Always Draft Season where they talk about nothing but the NFL draft. Absolutely awesome show there. On Tuesdays, you've got me with Packers Total Access. On Wednesdays, you've got J.J. Leahy with Cheese and Packers. Excellent show there as well. Uh, on Sundays, you got Wisconsin Sports Heroics, awesome show. And then also me on Sunday with Packers Total Access as well. Typically, with my show, Sundays are where we really focus on the history segment. And, uh, and then wrap up with a little bit of Packers talk and kind of meeting with Jacob, and we usually break something down. Like I said, this Sunday we'll probably break down a schedule. Tuesdays are typically news cycle. There's plenty of news coming out on Tuesdays, typically out of the weekend. I'll kind of hit on all that stuff, maybe hit on a topic or two, and we don't get to history. But with the news cycle being slow today, we covered the 1922 Packers getting kicked out of the uh, the then uh, professional football league before the NFL was even founded. And it's, it's just so cool, man. Um, I love covering stuff like that. Uh, it's also cool that the Packers, you know, being being born in 1919, actually predate the NFL by, what is it, three years? Yeah, 1922, 1919 to 1922. Pretty cool stuff when you can say your favorite professional football team is actually older than the league they're participating in. I don't know if there's another team that can say that other than the Bears. Um, maybe the Giants, but I don't know a lot about their history. But nonetheless, guys, As always, thank you for tuning in. Man, you guys could be anywhere in the world, um, you know, listening to anything, watching anything, and you choose to hang out with us. And I'm telling you, we don't take it lightly. We appreciate the support. Again, thanks for everyone. Who donated to uh, to the Venmo and uh, and helped us make that two hundred dollar donation to the uh, the service dog for Drew? Um, that's something that we're trying to knock out as a as a community. So if you want to donate to that, make sure you reach out uh, on Twitter. You can just actually click on on. Uh, Ryan's Twitter account. It's at pack underscore daddy. He'll have the tweet pinned right to the top, and you'll be able to see a GoFundMe there where we're uh, helping support Drew and get that service dog for uh to help him uh, deal with his seizures he's having. So, um, guys, as always, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to listen to us. We really appreciate it. And we're gonna hop out of here. We will see you guys chat with you again on Sunday. where We will be breaking down the uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers 2022 NFL schedule. And uh, it's going to be a fun show. Hope you join us for that. We also, I want to say, we most likely will be doing a live show either Friday or Saturday night on YouTube. It's totally up the Ryan, but I believe that was our plan moving forward. Um, Make sure you're subscribed to his YouTube channel. Find him on Twitter. He'll have it. uh, I'm sure he'll have it right there posted um, in his bio, so you can. Hop onto YouTube, subscribe to his channel, make sure you hit the bell so you get notifications. Also make sure you hit the bell there on uh, on Twitter so you get all of Ryan's notifications as well. So uh, thanks for joining us guys, appreciate your time. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to
0: see in the world and Go Pack go.